Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hello, and welcome to In the Field, a weekly podcast from IB Times UK. Each week, we speak to journalists and activists, analysts and aid workers who are at the heart of the stories that matter. This week, we are talking about the protests in Russia that started this weekend, the biggest for some years. Um, I'm lucky enough to have on the line Alex Kokcharov from IHS. He's going to be talking to us about the kind of putting it in perspective and so on. I've also got Tom Porter, who's our reporter who's been covering this uh, for IB Times UK. So, um, Alex, welcome. Thank you. It'd be really helpful probably for, I mean, everybody's kind of seen the news and um, it's it's obviously very unusual to see protests like this in, in a country like Russia, quite a repressive country. Maybe you could give us a little bit of perspective on kind of what started all this and how significant it is. Yes, absolutely. Um, the protests are quite significant. They occurred simultaneously uh, in over 80 cities across Russia. And uh, there are estimates that uh, up to 80,000 people uh, across the country joined the protests. Uh, protests were quite large in Moscow and St. Petersburg, over 20,000 people attending in every in each of these cities. But also in some regional cities, there was uh, a very decent turnout in Novosibirsk and Yekaterinburg there were up to 5,000 protesters. Um, these protests are the most significant political protests since 2011-2012 uh, when uh, Russia was last electing uh, its president uh, and that was um, Vladimir Putin who decided to come back to the presidential role after serving as prime minister for four years. Um, the protests were initially started by opposition campaigners who accused uh, top government officials, including Prime Minister Medvedev, of high-level corruption. Um, and uh, we, you know, based on the turnout of this process, we can see that the anti-corruption agenda um, uh, found resonance in the Russian society. Lots of people decided to join these uh, rallies, uh, despite the fact that uh, in two-thirds of the cities, these protests have not been uh, authorized by the local uh, councils or authorities. And what, what kind of um, people are taking to the streets, Alex? I mean, what kind of, um, is it many younger people or is it all uh, people of all generations? 
we have seen uh, various groups of people from the traditional liberal pro-Western opposition, uh, you know, middle class Russians living in places like Moscow and Petersburg. But what is very interesting about this protest is that there were a lot of young people uh, and not just, you know, students, but also um, uh, teenagers, uh, people under the school children under the age of 18. Um, and this is very unusual. Oh, but what is really interesting about that, these young people have no memory of the police crackdown in 2012 after the Putin's election. Um, therefore, the fear factor which might be working for the older generation is not in place for them. Is, I mean, is it, the numbers are still fairly small, though, right? It's not like we're not seeing kind of Arab Spring style uprisings. Yes, I mean uh, this is this is not on the scale even of uh, Euromaidan uh, in Ukraine in Kiev in 2013-2014. These are relatively small uh, protests, but again, uh, these you have to understand that in the context of Russia, this is very significant uh, in a country with uh, with a repressive state and the um, law enforcement being used to uh, suppress dissent. Uh, with force, uh, the fact that so many people decided to come out uh, and protest uh, is actually quite significant. And this changes the perceptions of the fear factor. And we can expect that uh, in the protests, if, if protests continue, um, there will be more people joining. Yeah, I mean, and, and we've just seen this about um, Alexei Navalny being uh, being jailed. I mean, yes, this is very much expected. He received he received a significant, a substantial fine for uh, organizing this uh, protest, but also he received 15 days uh, of uh, jail sentence, and probably many of his associates will receive similar sentences of uh, uh, short uh, jail um, terms. Uh, however, I do not expect that this will this will be uh, this will put a stop to his uh, political activity. He's been to jail before. Can I ask Alex what, what do you make of um, Mr. Navalny's aims? What, what do you think his ideology is? I mean, I've read profiles which claim he's an ultra nationalist, others that claim he's a kind of reformist liberal. Um, where do you think he stands? Who, who do you think he is? Yes, uh, Navalny has belonged to some organizations uh, in the past which um, uh, which can be described uh, as those having nationalist agenda. Uh, however, he generally subscribes to the rule of law and uh, uh, to the uh, general principles of uh, human rights. And this puts him very much uh, in the pro-Western camp. Uh, he wants to see Russia a successful country. And for him, uh, for Russia to be successful means building strong institutions similar to those present in the Western countries, uh, where the rule of law will be protected by the independent judicial system uh, and where the politicians will not be able to uh, influence uh, the courts, uh, where there will be free elections and uh, there will be freedom of media. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call this, you know, ultra-nationalist. Yes, some of his, uh, some of his ideas, such as uh, introducing visa regimes uh, for citizens for, of Central Asia, can be described as nationalists. However, uh, you know, um, Western European 
European countries have a visa regime for uh, the Middle East or uh, Sub-Saharan Africa, and um, you know, it, it doesn't mean that these governments are ultra-nationalist. What's his What's his background? Excuse my ignorance, but I'm not neither a Russia specialist. Yes, nor absolutely. Alexei Navalny is a former lawyer. Uh, he received uh, judicial education, so he he was trained as a lawyer. Uh, however, he became active uh, in politics uh, uh, in quite early age, and he's been very uh, very active uh, in the past uh, ten years. Uh, these protests uh, have demonstrated that he's clearly uh, an opposition leader. In December last year, he announced his intention to run for uh, president of Russia uh, in the uh, next year's election, which will be happening in March 2018. However, we expect that the Kremlin will probably block his bid on procedural grounds. What interests me about this, and probably, Tom, you might have a view on this as well, but I mean, it seems to us in the West that Putin's really kind of at a high point at the moment. I mean, he's, he's got his fingers in all these elections. He's kind of, he's got Trump, he's got an ally. You know, you were talking about him kind of being very strong, very popular. Um, and, and it almost feels like the world and, and Russia in particular is moving towards more authoritarianism rather than, you know, any idea of a of, of more open society. So it seems strange that these protests have come up now. You know, Vladimir Putin obviously cultivates the image of a strong man and with his uh, external uh, foreign policy and military assertiveness uh, in various places, starting from uh, Ukraine to Syria and recently Libya, he tried to portray Russia as a, a powerful uh, global player. However, the reality of it uh, in Russia is actually different. The Russian economy suffered badly uh, in the past several years because of the the combination of uh, lower oil prices, uh, the impact of Western sanctions, um, and deterioration of the business environment caused by the uh, conflict in Ukraine and the uh, political confrontation between Russia and the West. Uh, Russian uh, GDP in dollar terms, in nominal GDP, uh, nearly halved. Uh, Russia's GDP is now smaller than that of New York State. Mm. Um, or uh, is very similar to that of the Netherlands. So Russia uh, is a large country if you look at the map, uh, but it's not a very large economy. And actually, you know, many of these protests are um, driven by the economic considerations. We have seen a significant rise in economic protests uh, in Russia in the past several years. Um, mostly they were driven by wage arrears or um, low income uh, or um, decreases um, and reductions in social benefit payments. Um, however, now we see that uh, the protests are becoming increasingly political because we do see this large-scale corruption um, by top-level officials who have uh, allegedly amassed uh, very large wealth at the same time when the majority of um, uh, of average Russians, the majority of Russians are actually struggling um, in their everyday lives. My contacts tell me that Navalny has um, waged a very successful online campaign to um, uh, publicize some of this corruption by by Putin and, and members of his inner circle, the alleged corruption. Yeah. Um, I mean, are more people in Russia now turning to the internet for for information about about corruption and about uh, some of these issues? 
Yes, I think so. And this is clearly something that... Uh... Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze. Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. It keeps uh, uh, people in the Kremlin awake at night because, you know, in the early 2000s, they... Uh, build their control um, over the media, particularly the national television networks, uh, and uh, that allowed them um, controlling uh, dissemination of information, and thus uh, the uh, political situation in the country. Um, the the uh, Russian TV networks did not say a word about the protests uh, in Moscow and in other cities yesterday. However, uh, the streaming uh, YouTube uh, channel, which was set up by uh, Alexei Navalny's Anti-Corruption Foundation, uh, had at one point uh, over 3 million viewers yesterday. So, you know, we see that uh, a one-man operation can, uh, can have, um, you know, can compete with national networks. And this is obviously um, a very significant development. And uh, um, we think that it will result in further um, uh, restrictions uh, introduced in Russia, uh, targeting operations of NGOs and also targeting uh, internet and telecom sector, uh, which uh, will probably face new regulatory requirements uh, so that the government, the Kremlin, will be able to control uh, in further um, the content creation and dissemination, especially ahead of the next year's presidential election. I mean, that's really interesting, next year's presidential election. I mean, do, do you, is there really any chance that kind of Putin could, you know, have problems? Well, you know, when Navalny announced his um, intention to run in December, uh, actually, uh, we initially thought that um, uh, this could potentially uh, be exploited by the Kremlin because allowing Navalny to run and then lose in the election uh, would actually uh, help Putin legitimize 
the election results both domestically and internationally. Mm. He could say, look, you know, we had this pro-Western liberal guy running in the election and uh, the general public did not support him. And that was potentially an easy win uh, for Putin. Uh, but for whatever reasons, um, the Kremlin decided against this and we do not expect that Navalny will be allowed uh, to run in the uh, next year's uh, uh, election. Probably the ballot will be uh, will include Putin and several political stand-ins who have been on the political scene in Russia since early or mid-1990s, such as uh, the um, nationalist populist Vladimir Zhirinovsky or um, uh, the communist leader uh, Gennady Zuganov, uh, have a, their role will be very much predetermined to, to be um, rather um, political stand-ins so that you know, there are some names on the ballot and it, it's not just Vladimir Putin. To return to this issue of corruption, I remember a few months ago there were these um, there's a series of arrests of um, uh, government officials in some of the uh, regions of Russia on corruption charges, and also some um, propaganda cartoons which showed Putin, um, you know, firing corrupt officials. Do you think do you think the Kremlin is really worried about this perception? Um, of Putin himself as potentially corrupt and, and of the regime as corrupt. Do you think this is, that they realise this is a potential kind of Achilles heel? It is an Achilles uh, heel for for Putin and uh, his uh, uh, system which he built because, you know, what we have in Russia is not just corruption of the system, it is the system that is a problem. There is a situation of state capture where the entire country is run as a kleptocracy. Uh, the key appointments uh, at all levels of government, uh, from the very top to the municipal level, are based on loyalties, and actually corruption can be encouraged, because if uh, if those under you are corrupt, uh, then there is uh, always uh, a leverage over them, and you control them, because they know that they can be uh, dismissed at any time, and it develops uh, a high degree of loyalty for um, for the people who are above you, and in case of Russia, that's ultimately Putin. So having a system in which everyone is corrupt, everyone in the government, you know, from the uh, clerk in a faraway uh, municipal office uh, in Siberia to people at the very top, uh, it actually creates a situation where um, the system... Um, prevents any attempts to change it and uh, there is strong resilience and people who are within the system will be defending the system because they know that uh, the moment the system crumbles uh, they they will have no other options this will be you know very much like repeat of the end of the soviet union where people who were part of the old system uh, quickly lost their influence and power and also wealth it's interesting parallels to another communist, well, ostensibly communist country quite close by, China, with President Xi. When he came in, he launched this huge anti-corruption crackdown, um, you know, and that's had real effects in China. And it's actually been very good for Xi because it's, it's shown him as very populist. Um, it's been very popular with people, obviously not with officials, but with kind of, you know, the rank and file. Um, you wonder why Putin doesn't do the same and kind of, but as you say, if it is a kleptocracy, he needs that to maintain his power. Yeah, that's that, that the problem because you know, in case in case of China, you know, uh, there is a system and there is corruption of the system. But in Russia, 
corruption is the system. Mm. So if some people are being targeted, it increases the risk that there will be uh, some whistleblowers who, who will um, who will make sure that corruption nets, uh, you know, of, of other officials who are not targeted is going to be exposed. And as a result, um, you know, that can potentially mean that uh, there will be exposures of people at the very top, including, uh, you know, Pro Prime Minister Medvedev, who is allegedly very corrupt, uh, and um, uh, Putin himself. And uh, this is clearly something that uh, Putin would, would like to avoid. The other thing I was thinking is, of course, you see these protests now and you think of Russia and you think actually the last time that change in Russia came from from below was 100 years ago. Um, you don't see, you know, when, when you had Perestroika, you had Gorbachev, that was very much led by somebody. It wasn't a popular uprising. And I wonder how that would play out in Russia, that kind of popular movement. Yes, you know, the, the images from St. Petersburg yesterday where the protesters went to the palace square uh, in, the, in the historical center were very much reminiscent of 1917. Um, however, yesterday was, was actually peaceful. The protesters were just uh, um, demonstrating their uh, dissatisfaction with the current system. Yeah. They were not trying to, um, to actually enter the buildings um, or uh, create any harm. Um, but, you know, there is, the fact that these protests are happening uh, shows that there, there are large numbers of Russians who are dissatisfied with the, with the way uh, country um, is going and with the way the country uh, is functioning. And again, um, this very much reflects the fact that uh, Russia is economically losing. Yes, we are likely to see return to modest growth this year, but this growth will be um, quite modest. It will be much smaller than uh, the global growth. Um, and even with this type of growth in the next couple of years, Russia will effectively lag behind. And it means... Uh, it means that the country will be in decline and a lot of people in Russia are unhappy about the situation and they see that, you know, Putin intends to stay in power until 2024, which means that there will be no change, including no change in the way the country functions and the economy uh, grows uh, in the um, in the next uh, seven years. And uh, uh, this seven years is a long time mm. uh, and people are unhappy about this. Can I ask, how do you see um, the uh, Trump administration uh, reacting should these protests continue? Do you think there'll be, um, uh, do you think there'll, there'll be um, strong backing for them from the Trump administration? Do you think they'll have to be seen to be? We have seen we have seen a statement from the State Department mm -hmm. uh, in the U.S. Uh, yesterday uh, evening about. Uh, um, about the Russian protests, and uh, it was quite critical of the uh, detentions which occurred in Russia. In Moscow alone, over 1,000 protesters were detained, most of them briefly, just for several hours, but still. Um, we haven't seen much uh, of, you know, further further statements uh, on this from 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 Washington D.C., uh, but it it also reflects the fact that uh, there have been um, gaps in the appointments to the State Department. Uh, it is a known fact that uh, uh, key individuals have not been appointed uh, as of yet, including those who will be looking after Russia, and uh, there is to a degree. Uh, vacuum uh, in terms of Russian engagement uh, from Washington, D.C. right now.
Alex, thanks so much for your time. And uh, for all those of you listening, um, Alex has written a piece for us today, uh, which kind of expands on some of these ideas. So um, please check that out. Tom has also written widely on this. Uh, we'll be linking both of those in Acast. And if you're listening on iTunes, please rate and review us. So thanks for listening. Please be sure to tune in next week. And until then, take care. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.